So, um, Pastor Bob is here. Some of you haven't even met Bob yet, but Pastor Bob um, has been somebody who's been part of our church family and staff for about a year and a half. Um, year plus comes from the Bismarck area, and when he's here, he does some pastoral care and some teaching, um, and he is going to share the message with us today. So, um, thank you, Bob, for being here, and everybody be nice to him, okay? Good morning. God is good. What? Oh, and all the time. Sure. God is good. And we're reminded of that uh, in all the songs that we've been singing this morning. Uh, kind of tie into to the, uh, the theme and the focus of the message this morning. How do we grow in trust? Anybody have trust issues? A handful. Sure. I got a question for you. And uh, you can think about this now, and maybe, maybe you can share a response uh, to this. And the question is, who or what? Okay has been the most significant in your life helping you to deepen your trust in God. Okay? Could be a person, could be an experience, could be a place, something taking place that really served to help you deepen your trust in your Heavenly Father. Look forward to hearing. We had good responses at the early service. Uh, The person that's had the greatest effect on me is Father Richard Rohr, uh, the Franciscan monk, who was a huge friend of AA. He's pulled the gospel and the 12 steps together in his book, Breathing Underwater. I can't recommend it strongly enough. Thank you. Hi, I'm Misty. So um, I've always kind of believed in God and I always knew he was there. But to actually get that deeper trust in Jesus wasn't, didn't happen until I came here. And that's honest. Hmm. Yeah. Hello, I'm Galen. Uh, I've always been in a church my entire life. Uh, and I've always known of God, and I've known how God is watching over us. But it wasn't until like a year and a half ago when my sister helped me really understand how truly God wants to be not just observing of my life, but to be actually a part of it so he can feel all of my emotions uh, with me, all my anger, all my, uh, all my, my fears, my 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 euphoria, everything, every emotion, and that, that has got, you know, it's hard to say how, how much that has affected my life, but when I've been able to invite him into everything, then I can give him everything, including my addictions, and I can trust him with everything. Thank you, Gail. Yeah. 
Um, well, you know, my whole life, my mama um, taught us, you know, taught me about God and stuff. But I still, for many years, to just recently, I had a hard time, uh, you know, believing because you know something I can't see in front of my face. But I had experienced a few things since then, and when I came here to this church. That's whenever I finally, re- finally realized, woke up and realized, you know, and I, like, uh, we had, I had a question a while back, but um, I don't know why it took me this long to finally get it, you know. And uh, this church right here is what, what, what got me there. No. no. Hi, everybody. I'm uh, Greg. I guess for me, it, would, it was coming back to church. I started coming back over here about, you know, about four years ago, just before COVID, and and uh, Pastor Dale and a bunch of you people here that, you know, were doing some of the study, going to a Bible study and and just, uh, you know, meeting a bunch of you people and, you know, really helped me regain the trust in Jesus and uh, just listening and learning some of the, learning about the Bible and stuff. So it's been really great for me. Thank you. Hi, church family. Um, I'm going to say that The Who is a cast of characters. I ended up doing 10 years in the federal penitentiary. That gave me the time to study. I entered uh, a couple of programs. I went to many Bible studies, and it showed me the grace and mercy that was given to me. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Hi, church family. I'm Heather. For me, it's a Who. Don Geske explained to me at a very young age that Abba meant father and that God was my father and he was better than any earthly father that I could have. And then in my teenage years, Marianne Bartell helped me trust the process with God and trust in Jesus with my everyday life when things were so chaotic. And I am grateful to them to this day for helping me grow in my faith. Oh, thank you. Church family, my name is Damaris. Um, I grew up in an AME church um, my, my first half of my life. And um, waking up every morning and the, uh, the birth of my daughter and the prayers that he's, he's, he's answered that I pray for. Thank you. Yeah. One more. Good morning, brothers and sisters. I'm Dave. And the who in that question would be you people. Uh, And the what would be my recent bout with cancer. Um, Your prayers uh, just helped us tremendously, and we we felt them every day. And uh, I knew that no matter what the outcome was going to be, uh, I couldn't lose. So, uh, thank you very much. Uh, and, uh, you know, in a nutshell, it's, it's really made my faith deeper in, in God. So, uh, thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. You might have uh, maybe a fairly common experience regarding trust. We kind of move into it and away from it, depending on what's going on, right? And 
Maybe, maybe you're one of these people that like to negotiate terms with God. Get some reassurances. See, that, that's the vending machine approach. See, I put my dollar in, push the button, I receive. And sometimes we do that with God. If you will do this, then my trust will, will deepen. And, of course, that's kind of a dead end because even when we get what we want, we just want more. So it moves like this. And the stories that we, we have going for us today in the Bible really encourage us, I think, to, to be considerate of what does it mean to trust in my Heavenly Father, to trust in His love for me. It's a love that doesn't change. It's a love that's not governed by my good works or my promises or commitments. It's a love that's governed solely by His commitment to love me. Imagine that. Even you, see? That's, that's the way He works. And I can't make him love me more. And if, if I'm screwing up, I can't make him love me less. He still went to the cross for my sins. And he calls, come unto me. Come unto me. All you who are weary and heavy laden, come unto me. See? And in the coming, oh, I hope you will trust in me as your heavenly father. So... I'm going to backtrack just a little bit, and this, this actually isn't a distraction. It hangs together, so we'll bring it through. I'm going back to Valentine's Day. Did you have a good Valentine's Day? You know, boy, I tell you, trust issues, things like that. I don't know, the day of love, oh, okay. But how many of you know the story of Valentine's Day. Do you? See? Very few hands. People don't know. And it's such a wonderful thing. And ties in so well with this thing of trust. Valentine was a doctor. And he became a priest. And he was well loved because of the way that he loved people. And uh, it, 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 at the time of, of his ministry, uh, Claudius the emperor, Claudius II, not a good man, didn't love God. <laughs> but Claudius uh, had made a law because he was in the business of recruiting for his military and was having an awful time finding young men willing to get into that because they were interested in other things. Finding a partner, getting married, having children, raising a family, living a good life in peace, you know, who doesn't want that? And Claudius, 
became very frustrated with this man named Valentine because young couples were coming to him saying, can you help us? It's illegal now under the emperor to be married, but we want to be. Can you help us? And so Claudius, you know, he, he went around and found ways to get it done. Marrying people. And the word got back to Claudius. And he was, a, he was not a happy camper. And he put him in prison. Now Valentine, he went. And he, he became friends with the jailer who had a daughter who was blind and brilliant. And she was in the process of being educated. She just wanted to learn, but she couldn't read. The jailer said, will you help? And Valentine said, sure. You, I, I, it's hard to believe, you know, how you help a blind person being educated. But he read her textbooks. <laughs> He read stuff to her that she needed to know. He, he helped her to assimilate this stuff. He was a tutor. And he gave his heart into it for the sake of the jailer, her dad, and Julia. And in the process of this time of ministry, he had opportunity to pray for the family. And Julia was healed of her blindness. Blind from birth, she was healed so that she could see. You know, isn't that great? Well, Claudia's heard about this too. I thought, you know, this guy Valentine, a pretty good deal. He came down to the jail and he wanted to negotiate with Valentine. So I'll tell you what. If you will renounce Jesus Christ, I'll give you your freedom. People want you to do that, you know. And Valentine said, it's not on the table. I will not renounce my Lord Jesus Christ. I will remain a servant under him rather than living on top in the freedom you want to give me. And for that, he paid with his life. Claudius made the decision to execute. Now, it had happened. He was clubbed to death and beheaded because of his love for Christ. But here's the thing. Before he died... 
on that February 14th in the year 270. See? He wrote a letter to Julia because he wanted to encourage her and to encourage her trust in the God she came to know through his ministry. And her dad, the jailer, came to faith in that time, see? And he wanted to encourage her in her education, see? And he wanted her not to grieve for him, see? That letter she got on the eve of his execution, February 14th. See? And the letter was signed from your Valentine. Valentine became the saint of love. And the Catholic Church, you know, through the processes, sainthood and so forth, uh, declared him to be. And since, since that time, see, internationally, St. Valentine's Day is on the calendar. See, the saint of love. And, and what he did, all he did was serve with the loving heart of Jesus, helping people. See, restoring sight, teaching, announcing good news. See? And because the emperor didn't like it, he thought he could bring an end to it. And instead, the entire world ended up celebrating the 14th of February. Well, it wasn't until the 1500s and 1600s they began kind of mass producing these little heart-shaped things and flowers and I don't know when the chocolate came out. Those things are not the heart of Valentine's Day. Valentine's heart was the heart of Valentine's Day. And the call, you know, to move forward in life and to trust God in all circumstances. So, in the, in the 39th chapter of Genesis today, we have another jailer. And we have another fellow being imprisoned who brings ministry to a jailer and his household, you know. The man's name is Joseph. You've been hearing about him. In some of these messages Dale has been bringing, and you're going to continue in the next weeks, this is just a little window here. But it contains the story of the seduction of Potiphar's wife trying to get Joseph into bed. Okay? And uh, what worked and what didn't work and how he ended up in this place of ministry in the jail. So we read in the Recovery Bible, when Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite, 
traders. He was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Potiphar was a captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. So he was high up, chief of police. The Lord was, what does it say? The Lord was with Joseph. Hang on to that. The Lord was with Joseph. And so he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this, see, and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. And that pleased Potiphar, so he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. And he put him in charge of his entire household and everything he owned. And from the day Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property, the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. This is absolutely awesome. Potiphar's household. All his household affairs ran smoothly, and his crops and livestock flourished. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. And with Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing. Eh? Investing his trust in this lowly Hebrew slave. Except, except, for the kind of food he ate. Everybody has that problem. Joseph was very handsome and well-built young man. Potiphar's wife, she began to notice. To look at him lustfully, come and sleep with me. She demanded, see, she was Potiphar's wife. Joseph was also her servant. See? Well, Joseph refused. Look, he told her, My master trusts me with everything in his entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. He's held back nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How could I do such a thing? Such a wicked thing. It would be a great sin against God. So she kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day and he refused to sleep with her and he kept her out out of her way as much as possible. One day, however, no one else was around. When he went in to do his work, she came and grabbed him by his cloak, demanding, come on, sleep with me. Joseph tore himself away and left his cloak in her hand as he ran from the house. When she saw that she was holding his cloak and he had fled, she called out to her servants. And soon all the men came running. Look, she said, my husband has brought this Hebrew slave 
here to make fools of us. He came into my room to rape me, but I screamed. And when he heard me scream, he ran outside and he got away, but he left his cloak behind with me. She kept the cloak until her husband came home. And then she told him her story. And that Hebrew slave you brought into our house tried to come in and fool around with me. But when I screamed, he ran outside, leaving his cloak with me. And Potiphar was furious when he heard this wife's story about how Joseph had treated her. So he took Joseph, threw him into prison where the king's prisoners were held. And thus he remained. But the Lord was with Joseph. See? And in the prison showed him his faithful love. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. How about that? And before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that happened in the prison. And the warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. And the Lord was with Joseph and caused everything he did to succeed. A word of the Lord. <laughs> it's an amazing story. And what, you know, God was with Joseph, who was not a perfect man. When I read a story like this, I wonder, well, you know, he went through all this stuff with his brothers. He got thrown in a pit. He was taken out. He was sold to slave traders. He ended up being sold to Potiphar. Well, did Joseph ever wonder about how to trust God? See, he... His God was the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, his father. He knew the stories. Do you ever wonder if, if Joseph went like this with his trust? <laughs> yes. I have no proof of that so much. Because the story today isn't telling us he vacillated in trust. A story simply tells us that he was loyal to God. He was loyal to Potiphar, the one he was called to serve. And he was faithful to both of those guys. And he refused sin. And the seduction invitation from Potiphar's wife and whatever Joseph did, the Lord blessed it. And people, people could see that. Okay. 
It's an amazing story. And we come down through it. He, he's blessed with everything. We, we know that the wife of Potiphar, she noticed different things about Joseph and laid her seductive plan to trap him. You know, he ends up in prison and lo and behold, this unity with the prison warden ends up Joseph is in charge of everything because the warden could see that whatever he did was blessed and there was good order in the prison. <laughs> it's amazing. And it, it says, again, they had no more worries. Potiphar had no more worries when he had Joseph in charge of everything. He could trust him. See? I don't know what happened to Potiphar. You know, I, you get caught kind of in that thing. Do you believe your wife or whatever? I think he was a little suspicious. By the way, do you know that if, if she had succeeded... We don't even know her name for sure. It's just Potiphar's wife. If she had succeeded in getting Joseph into bed, Joseph would have been killed. She would have been found out by Egyptian law for that infraction in her marriage and unfaithfulness to Potiphar would have had her nose cut off. She must have known that. Well, it didn't work out that way. She saved her nose. Joseph ended up in prison. Potiphar was pretty angry, but I wonder if he wasn't a little bit suspicious that his wife wasn't telling the whole story. See? So it's how God works. He needed to get Joseph into that prison. He needed to get Joseph into the good graces of the warden in the prison so that the way could be paved for Joseph to get out of that prison back into Potiphar's household and later on become the prime minister of all of Egypt. You're going to come into those stories in the coming weeks, you see. So we won't go there today. Joseph was loyal, faithful, and God blessed that trust in everything he did. So, we had asked that question. How do you think he handled it in those dark days in the prison when he was, he, he, he wasn't even guilty? How do you think he handled it? My guess is, Minimally, he certainly must have wondered about trusting his Lord. See? But he hung in there, didn't he? And Jesus just, just says, you know, when you get in those places where, where you're wondering whether you can trust or not, when you get into those places, can you come unto me? All you who are weary, broken, heavy laden, come unto me. Let me give you the rest. And when you come, can you trust me? See, 
as your loving Heavenly Father to get you to the next places I have for you to be. There was an eight-year-old boy. The family was running out of the house because of a fire. And somewhere in the confusion of things, the boy broke loose and ended up running back into the house. And the story goes that the family was outside and they're looking up in this bedroom window and there was the boy crying. And dad was standing down. Son, son, jump, jump, I will catch you. But daddy, daddy, I can't see you. I can't see you, daddy. That's okay. Son, I can see you. Jump. See? And he caught his son. Sometimes we get in that position. We can't see. But your almighty heavenly Father, he can see. He can see you in your place of need. And he's saying, jump. You can trust me. And sometimes that's what you do in recovery, isn't it? You make that decision to let go and let God. And you stop trying to negotiate that trust. Oh God, if you will do this, then I will trust. If you will show me this, you know, here, then I'll know. That never worked. Even in the time of Christ, it never worked. People always wanted to see signs. When he did signs, they killed him anyway. How many of you are familiar with the de delightful book, The Ragamuffin Gospel? <laughs> Handful, see. This is absolutely delightful. And it's kind of irreverently written by a priest. Brennan Manning was his name. He was in recovery from his alcohol addiction. <laughs> and he, he, he writes this for, for us. He, he writes it for the broken people who are wrestling with trust and faith issues and wondering about their value. He writes it in order that we might be encouraged out of all our troubles to be able to turn and see the face of our loving Heavenly Father whose love is not affected by our misbehavior. It's a love that's constantly open, constantly beckoning. Come, come unto me. And through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, at the cross, he died to cover everything. That if we would come and, and trust in that kind of deliverance from sin and sickness and death and destruction and all that stuff, if we would come to him, see, there'd be blessing.
there'd be blessing. And when you grow in that, in that trust, and you go out and start kind of living under that trust, well, amazing things start to happen. People notice. See, people notice they can see God is with you in some way. You might have had it said to you, just out of the blue, someone come up to you and say, I see something in you. St. Paul says we're, we're called to give an account. Give an account for the faith we have and the trust that we have in Jesus. See, and Brennan, he, he, he's talking about this whole thing about negotiating, getting reassurances from God. I'll trust you if you do this. I'll put my dollar in the vending machine, push the button. If that's what comes out, I'll know. He, he, he talks about this as the autonomous approach in our relationship to God. We think we stand in some kind of special place where he has to give me what I ask for in order that I trust him. And Brennan says, it'll never work. Even if you get what you want, it won't be enough. You'll just take another step and push another button. That's how it works. We're never satisfied. When we try to negotiate with God the terms of faith. And so, you know, he makes this interesting observation about what disciples do, negotiating terms of faith. Jesus calls us to hand over our autonomous self. Yeah? My arrogance, my pride, see? My power. Step one. It never work in any way. See? Hand it over. And he, he's saying this, to hand over our autonomous self in an unshaken confidence. And when the craving for reassurances is stifled, trust happens. It happens. And that's a transformational thing in, in recovery circles. And people come to that place where God is finally able and free, see. I don't, I don't make him free to do that, but in my heart, I open that door for him to come in, see. And there's nothing that I've done that's going to keep him standing at the door. If anyone opens that door, I'll come in. I'll come in. And I'll be with them, see. You can jump from the burning windows of the chaos and sin and all that kind of stuff that's been a burden, see. It's been a block to my trust because I'm afraid I haven't lived a good enough life for God to love me. A man 
for 25 years stayed away from the Lord's table in a church I was serving. I noticed when I came, I was new there, that he was in church every Sunday, but he never came for Holy Communion. I went out to his ranch one morning to have coffee with him. And as we sat at the table, I asked him about this. You know what he said? I'm not good enough. How many of you have felt that way? I'm not good enough to receive the bread and the wine or the juice. And I said, oh, I, I am so happy to know I'm not alone. And he looked at me like, what's the matter with you? I said, you see, the ground at the foot of the cross is very level. The most important reason for you to come to receive what God offers you It's because you're not worthy. And he makes it so. Take and eat. Take and drink. My body. My blood. Given and shed for you. Don't get better than that. And when we grow in that kind of trust and walk in that kind of trust, God will even use you and you and you in blessing other people. That's the word of the Lord for today. And Lord, will you add your blessing to the hearing of it in each heart today. And where there is that need to be growing in trust, let your Holy Spirit be released to work it for the glory of Christ. All God's people said, Amen.